The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Let's be honest with you, the playoffs, have, the playoffs have already started. I mean, the way this thing lines up for for Sunday, there, there'll be more playoff games played Sunday than there will be the rest of the you know, playoff season. The playoffs have already begun for the Dallas Cowboys. And, hey, they were very fortunate on Sunday when the Arizona Cardinals upset the Eagles. That opens the door for the Cowboys to go to FedEx Field, beat the Commanders, and nail down the division title and the two-seed in the NFC, something that seemed highly unlikely not that long ago. Remember all the math, the fifth tiebreaker. All the Eagles have to do is beat the Giants, Cardinals, and Giants, and they'll end up with the division title. They'll end up most likely with the two-seed on the fifth tiebreaker, strength of victory. Along the way, they lost to the Cardinals, and now... The Cowboys have the opportunity to put themselves in great position to get to the NFC Championship game for the first time since 1995. All they got to do is beat the seventh seed, and then they win in the divisional round. And, yeah, the reward is most likely go to Santa Clara. But, hey, if the 49ers would lose in the divisional round, the road to the Super Bowl goes through AT&T Stadium. So we're going to talk later about how the Cowboys got their win. Yeah. That Saturday night game became a lot more impactful, though, Chris, when the Eagles once again reminded us – they're not the team they were last year. And I think the sooner they accept they're not the team they were last year, the better off they'll be making chicken salad out of whatever they are this year. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, right right now they can't be spoiled or have too high of expectations. They got to just be like, hey, we got to find ways to win some football games, period. I mean, that, that's that's all there is to it. it. It hasn't looked good. And let's talk about – I mean, when you talk about Sunday – Right, I mean, I know it was a close football game, but again, it was the Arizona Cardinals playing for nothing and playing for nothing, winning by four, and not just like, oh, well, it just was one of those days where the Eagles were off or, oh, the Eagles made some stupid mistakes. No, 
It was a bud whooping. It was an ass whooping. It was total control of the football game from the Arizona Cardinals really from the get-go. It never really wasn't Arizona outplaying. They just messed up some situations where they didn't score in the red zone and had to kick a field goal or threw the interception down there inside the 10-yard line and returned for a 99-yard interception return. But at no point did you ever think the Eagles' defense was like in the mode of, oh, wow, they're, they're stopping the Cardinals. I mean, every time the Cardinals got the ball, they moved it to a degree, any which way they wanted to, running the football on that unit. And then the offense, yeah, we know they moved the ball and made some plays, certainly, but it just doesn't seem like the well-oiled machine that it once was. That's for sure. It's not a given. And then, yeah, it seems like it's work. And they rely on guys to just make extraordinary plays right now. So Philadelphia is reeling. And it's, they're still one of the most talented teams in football, but they're nowhere near playing some of the best football in the NFL right now. That's for sure. And, you know, there was a stretch earlier in the year where A.J. Brown had an NFL record six straight games with 125 or more receiving yards. He was in the MVP conversation. That's how dominant he was. Well, in the eight games since then, he's only had one 100-yard performance. And there's been some reporting. There's been some analysis and discussion about frustration from A.J. Brown. Nick Sirianni was asked about that point blank yesterday. Here's his response. You know, obviously, I don't want to speak for him. um, But, you know, obviously, when you have a, a dynamic playmaker like A.J., he's going to want to change the game at all times. Um, and he's capable of doing that at all times. And, and so, again, I don't want to speak for him, but, you know, obviously we're all frustrated. Um, you know, we're all frustrated right now, especially, you know, coming off that loss yesterday. And so, you know, the, you, know you want to be able to have fun. You want to be able to do all these things, and, and, and you know, that football brings. But sometimes it's hard to have fun and hard, hard to find the enjoyment when you're in a rut like we are. Um, but you know he's always going to want to he's always going to want to change the game because he knows he's capable and that's you know that's just him being the the playmaker he is i know this like I, and i've said this to you guys on the record off the record all, all everything that there's nobody that is as good of a teammate there's nobody that's as good of a person um as aj and shoot uh you know he's one of our very best players and one of the you know best players since i've been here uh, in the past three years. So um, I can't say enough good things about him. We're all frustrated, I think. And I don't want and again, like I said, I don't want to speak for him um, on anything. And it's easy for a great receiver to get frustrated because there's a belief that if you get me the ball, it isn't I just want to go get statistics. It is we will win football games if you get me the ball. I am being team first by taking this position that you need to get me the ball. Not because I want to have another 125-yard game, but because this is how we win the football game. You play to your strengths. You're not playing to one of your biggest strengths. That's where the frustration comes from, from great receivers. And I think they compartmentalize feelings of selfishness with, I'm a badass. Get me the ball if yeah. we want to win football game. Yeah, I think that it's it's all of that. It's just all you know compiling for just frustration in Philadelphia right now. They know they're better than what they're doing on the football field. You know, those players know how talented the football team is. I mean, again, it's kind of shocking. It's a team four to five losses. We can go through it. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's it's the incredible D line. It's the O line. It's the tight ends are awesome. 
The receiving duo is awesome, right? The secondary is pretty good, even though it's banged up. Middle linebacker, safety play, okay, got some issues there. The biggest thing, I think, is coaching, and the offense isn't functioning at a level that's even close to what it was last year. And that's because, yeah, they don't have Shane Steichen, and also, I don't think the quarterback's playing very good, as we've discussed. I think you add all that together, that leads to a number one receiver being extremely frustrated. And then him looking at days going, wait, and some of these losses, like, you know, like you're talking about, we're not even giving me the ball and giving me a chance to take over. We're not even doing that. I mean, whether it was last week, the Seahawks game, uh, what game am I missing? The Cowboys game. I mean, they're not even throwing for over 200 yards, and they have the best pass protection in football and the two best, maybe the best duo receiver in football. You know, that's where if you're A.J. Brown, he's going like, what the hell is going on here? And I can understand him being frustrated, but it's the whole team right now. You know, it really is, and nobody's playing all that well, and they can't seem to kind of get a jump started. And watching and listening to Nick Sirianni, He's in a bad spot right now. Yeah. I feel like I feel like he's rattled. I feel like he's scared of where this might lead because he got the job directly because the grace period for winning a Super Bowl was only 3 years. They'll make a change of coach if they feel like they need to. They got rid of Doug Peterson at a time when it kind of surprised everybody that Doug Peterson got thrown overboard by the Philadelphia Eagles. But there is, within the organization and within the fan base, an obsession with winning again, winning again. we got to have the second one. The first one just gave them a taste for another one. And I think he's feeling that. Yeah. Because when you go from Super Bowl season to 10-1 and one start, and now you've lost your way, and he talked recently about, his demeanor on the sidelines during games. He right. needs to think about his demeanor during these press conferences. He needs to come off as more confident. Yeah, he's not sure, sure what to say. Because the, yeah. Right. And and he's so afraid of saying the wrong thing that he just comes off as afraid. It had a hostage video vibe to it, Chris. Yeah, I, I hear you there. He's trying to dance a line of not upsetting his players or anything there, but also trying to make it sound like he's tough and confident to the media and the fan base. And it's, it's hard to have both right now. And yeah, there was definitely some stuttering and stammering there a little bit on what to say, the tone, how do I kind of frame this? And that's, that's, you know, not a good look. He, it it looked uncomfortable for him. They look uncomfortable as a team. They're going to be uncomfortable this offseason if they don't win the Super Bowl. Listen, baseline, bottom line comment is when, you know, you're the most talented team in football for two years in a row. I mean, the best team in football. And you don't win a Super Bowl, the coach and the quarterback are going to be looked at. They're going to be put under a microscope. They are. I mean, again, there's a reason people like Sean Payton thought the Eagles were going to win the Super Bowl last year by double digits, and coaches around football thought that. Because the Eagles, are they're stacked. They're unbelievable. That was a monumental upset that the Chiefs beat them in the Super Bowl last year. And this will be monumental, really, for this team, as talented as it is, to be like a fifth or sixth seed in the playoffs. That's a big-time disappointment, and they're going to have the microscope on them if, if uh, they don't make a run in the playoffs here. And if you're Nick Sirianni and you're being self-critical, 
you recognize. Remember there was that thing a couple of weeks ago about him defending the offense. The offense is still the offense. The offense is me. Well, maybe the offense was Shane Steichen. Maybe it was maybe it was a little more Shane Steichen than you. I would think because so. Because the offense lost its way once Steichen left. And then you throw in all this stuff on the defensive side of the ball. Jonathan Gannon leaves, and Sean Desai gets the job. And then he gets initially, and this was reported by the Philadelphia Inquirer over the weekend, before they took away the play-calling duties and gave them to Matt Patricia, back in Week 10 during the bye week, they decided to take away Desai's authority over third-down game planning. So this has been coming. So you go from having two great coordinators – who become head coaches, to guys that aren't as good as their predecessors, and the proof is in the pudding. And it all come back, comes back to Sirianni, because if you're a truly great head coach, and I'm not being critical of him here, I'm trying to help everyone and myself understand why he seems afraid right now. I think he feels like he's being exposed right now, Chris. Not that he is. But I think that's where that is coming from, that uncertainty, that quality, that issue with the demeanor during the game. I think he realizes, and the Eagles fans are smart enough to see this. There's a difference between Jets fans and Eagles fans because they're both demanding. But Jets fans can be all over the place in what they're demanding. Eagles fans cut with a scalpel. They know. They they see right through it. They know exactly what the issue is. They drill down to the heart of it. And I think Nick Sirianni's worried that they're going to figure out. I'm not saying, I see, this is tough for me. I'm trying to give you real analysis here without bashing the guy. I think within him, he's afraid they're going to wake up and say he's the problem. Yeah, but he's rattled right now. They're rattled as an organization. It's showing. Eagles fans can see it, right? And then I think when you add on top of the Eagles fans can see it, they're frazzled, they're demanding they want more. They know how good this football team is. And now you're seeing, you know, the better players on the football team also kind of have those same type of actions and emotions. I think that's where it gets scary as a head coach. And that's where it's, yeah, it's, it's, you, you got to find the right messaging and the right attitude here to kind of pull your team through a tough moment. And we'll see. Uh, ho- you know, hopefully for them, they can get a good win, play good football this week and feel confident about going into wild card round, right? But even with the Giants game two weeks ago, you know, played good, but it wasn't great. We know that. And it was the Giants and Tommy DeVito. And then there they were kind of messing things up, and it became a football game. You know, they can't get out of their own way right now, let alone even when they are out of their own way, they're just not playing that great of football. And now there's a Devontae Smith injury on top of that, right? So now people, you can focus a little bit more on A.J. Brown. Oh, well, hey, because that's that's the beauty of the Eagles. Wait, we got to stop the run. Wait, we'd like to double A.J. Brown. But wait, the guy on the other side is faster than A.J. Brown and actually scary to go deep. What do we do? You know, So to not have him out there with a high ankle sprain, that's a big deal for a struggling offense right now. Yeah, and they, they are very tight-lipped about that one, but still walking boot and crutches a day after the injury was suffered. Sirianni also said he's sticking with Matt Patricia as the defensive play caller. And it's not like you can just go pick another one off the shelf. Yeah, right. He happened to have Patricia around. Like, he's sticking with Patricia because he's got nowhere else to go. He's not a defensive guy. There's no Vic Fangio they can hire as a late-season consultant like they did last year. There's just, Or maybe there is. Maybe there's somebody out there I'm not thinking of that they can bring in to help fix this. 
But Patricia's the guy who just happened to be in the building when they realized that maybe Sean Desai wasn't the answer when it comes to running that defense the way it needs to be run. So it's it's amazing right now to see for as great as they were. And you saw this coming because you were saying when they were winning these games early in the year and they weren't winning them in blowout fashion, they were just racking up wins and racking up wins. And that's good. But it. I was telling you the there quality was wasn't great, right? Yeah. Where yeah. where the bottom might fall out. And we got so caught up in the tush push and, you know, it became the hot thing. And we talk about this, we talk about it's like they really weren't as dominant as they were last year. And now it's come back to roost. And unless the Cowboys do a face plant on FedEx Field, the Eagles are going to be stuck going on the road most likely to go visit the four seed Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Atlanta, however the NFC South shakes out this weekend. Much different road to the playoffs for the Eagles than last year. Yeah, much different. Or to the Super Bowl, I mean. Yeah, we'll see if they can uh, rally here. We'll, we'll see what they can do. They're still dangerous. We know that. Nobody's going to like to see Philadelphia coming into town, uh, especially some NFC South team who I can sit here and tell you that nobody in the NFC South is as talented as the Eagles. I can say that, but as inconsistent as the Eagles have been and some of the issues we're seeing and teams just now, the one thing you kind of looked at was when they, their run defense is still pretty good. Now that's fallen apart. You know, the past game teams just picked them apart to where, yeah, the NFC South, those teams aren't as talented as the Eagles, but they've been playing better football. Some of those teams here down the stretch and certainly can beat Philadelphia. And here's what the Eagles need to do. You know, we've talked about the Bills earlier where the turning point was for them. You almost need to bottom out. There needs to be a bottom, and then things go the other way. Or you just need to accept you're not the team you were last year. You're not the team that went 10-1. and Well, you are. You're just being exposed a little bit now. But the Chiefs, I think, have finally accepted we're going to play the hand we've been dealt this Hopefully, year. Hopefully, right. And not be, not be pissed off that our cards aren't better. Yeah. I think that's the key. The Eagles need to just play the hand they've been dealt, quit thinking about how great their last hand was, and make the most out of this one. I don't, I, I, I don't disagree with you there. I, I don't. Stop looking for the magic of last year. Accept who you are this year. You're going to win games uglier. It's not going to be this pretty show that you put on all the time last year. It's a different year, right? And it, no, nobody really cares about style or pretty points, really, when it's all said and done. There's been a lot of teams that we've seen that won the Super Bowl, and you go back and go, oh, let's unpack the regular season. You'd go, oh, man, there were some weeks there that it wasn't that pretty, but they got it done. They hung around to where they could finally come together and play their best football. And right now, it just it doesn't feel like that's anywhere in sight in Philadelphia. That's what I think is crazy, is it actually feels like it's going the other way. It feels like they're playing worse football. And that's where it's a little weird, and we'll see if they can regain some of this magic this week and into the playoffs. They've lost four out of five. Four out of five. Should be more. And that came after yeah. That came after the Monday night upset of the Chiefs and the game against the Bills that they pulled out of their butts. Yes. It, it, could, be, it could be six out of seven, this losing streak for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, the, if this was a start to the season, one and four, we'd say this team's no good. Well, it's been one and four the last five weeks. As we're pushing toward the climax to the season, it's all coming together. You're supposed to be playing your best football. They're one and four, and it all started against the 49ers. 
Maybe they just need Dom DeSandro back on the sideline. Maybe it'll all change <laughs> yeah. in the playoffs when Big Dom is back <laughs> down there. But uh, it's just it's just a, a crazy year, and it's got to drive Eagles fans batty because there was enough there to convince them that we were just loading up the cannon again and heading back to the Super Bowl, and it's going to be – it's not impossible, but it's not going to be the kind of road that it was last year. Let's take a break. When we return, we're going to go back to the Saturday night game – the controversial two-point play, the even more controversial setup to the two-point play. Dan Campbell, the Lions coach, talked about it yesterday, and he said just enough to confirm what I thought about it, and I think Chris agrees with me. We'll find out. We'll break it down next here on PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat protecting our nation's future the few the proud the marines the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. I'm good. I woke up yesterday. I'm, I'm ready, man. I've got controlled fury, and uh, I'm ready to go. I am I'm absolutely ready to go. I don't go the other way, So, and the team won't either. Uh, we're on a mission, and uh, we're not going to uh, we're gonna feel sorry for ourselves and Walter and everything. We had plays to make. We didn't make them, and uh, it's a tight game, a good opponent, playoff-type atmosphere, and you got to make that that one extra play that we didn't and uh so we will use this as fuel i got pure octane right now i woke up i'm ready so we're moving forward the best Man. news for the lions is talk about confidence and coaching in front Saturday of the micro the microphone like sirianni is that where you're going that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of the difference between right. what we saw last segment and what we see now because here's the thing it's a regular season game you pick yourself up Dust yourself off and go bite somebody's kneecap. That's you can't afford to wallow in what happened when you still have more in front of you. And if anything, and Campbell alluded to this yesterday, it's a blessing. It's a way to make sure that when we're back in this occasion again, single elimination, we make that difference. We make that one extra play. We do that one extra thing because we know what it feels like when you don't. And you lose. Now, the reason that he's upset is what looked like 
a stunning comeback because Mike McCarthy screwed up and allowed too much time to stay on the clock and gave the Lions the opportunity to drive down the field and score the touchdown. McCarthy, McCarthy's goose might already have been cooked if the Lions win that game. There's no reason they should have had one minute and 41 seconds to drive the length Seven of the field shamrocks and up put themselves in a position. As of last Saturday Unreal. night. <laughs> so, so, the focal point, obviously, though, is the two-point play. And um, we're going to play Campbell from yesterday, but I think we okay. got to set it up first. For anybody that missed it, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about it here. It no. was a big issue in the viewing room on Sunday. The events of the day superseded it. I had some reporting that there just wasn't time in the show for it. I talked about it and wrote about it yesterday. Here's the two-point play. Looks great in the execution. Taylor Decker makes the catch. Celebration. Lions win. The problem is in the reporting as eligible. It's a very common device. There have been controversies about it in the past because the Patriots are very aggressive about what they do. But this is it. Freeze it right there. Freeze it right there. Can you freeze it right there? You had three different guys approaching Brad Allen. See this? This was not accidental. The the Lions wanted to confuse the Cowboys. The guy coming in from the sideline, Dan Skipper, number 70, he is their jumbo package tight end. Right. Against the Vikings, he reported as eligible six different times. Now, folks and Lions fans, I ask you to try to be objective about this. I know you feel like you got screwed at the drive-thru in this one. But why is Dan Skipper going straight to Brad Allen if he's not reporting as eligible? Go to the huddle. Why are you running out there to Brad Allen? You're the guy who always comes in as the jumbo package tight end to report as eligible. Play it back, please. He's coming onto the field, not to the huddle. He is coming to Brad Allen. Why? Why is he doing that as Penny Sewell and Taylor Decker are going to Brad Allen? They wanted to play a shell game and, with and the Cowboys he was somewhat watch this. Them. He was also kind of sending in almost like little I'm eligible like almost mannerisms to the referee well, as he was running. It looks like this is the key. Here's the key. The brushing of the jersey. Yes. And we don't see anybody brushing the jersey. And I'd love to see the angle coming from the other side. Is he using that right hand to brush the jersey as he comes in? Because Brad Allen clearly comes to the conclusion that Dan Skipper is the eligible receiver. Because he's coming to Brad Allen. There's no reason to go to Brad Allen. None whatsoever. Unless Brad Allen owes him money and he's planning to collect it right then and there. There is no reason for him to go to Brad Allen unless he's reporting his eligible folks. The Lions were playing a shell game with the Cowboys. And that's fine. But sometimes what happens? You fly a little too close to the sun on wings of pastrami. And they confused Brad Allen. In confusing the Cowboys, they confused Brad Allen. If they had just done... One guy goes to Brad Allen. There's no confusion for the Cowboys. There's no confusion for the referee. They had three guys. And this is where I want to make it very clear. because And and Dan Campbell's partially responsible for this confusion. Dan Campbell, after the game, I drew the play out. I showed them the play. They know this play. It's not about the play, Dan. It's about your setup to the play. doesn't matter what the play is after they snap the ball. Did you sit down with the officials and say, hey, listen, I got an idea, and I just want you to know about it, because you're going to kind of be in the middle of it. We're going to try to make them think that 
Dan Skipper's eligible, but he's not going to report. Taylor Decker's going to report. So when you see Dan Skipper coming to you, just ignore that. We're just trying to, we're trying to make them think, you know, because it's loud, it's chaotic. Maybe they'll get confused. So I want to take the opportunity at this pregame meeting with the officials to say, this is our ruse. Are you in on it with us? They didn't do that. Nobody's going to do that. Could you imagine if that's how it worked at a time when everybody is skeptical about the fix being in? Hey, Mr. Official, will you help me fool the other team? There's no freaking way they did that. This is where I fault Dan Campbell. I love Dan Campbell. But when he gets upset about we drew up the play and we showed him the play, it's not about the play. It's about the setup to the play. Yeah, it's the mechanics. Confusing the Cowboys, you confuse the referee, and now you got to just own it. Right. And, you know, again, Brad Allen and their crew, they study these teams. They realize that, you know, like you said, 70 skipper was eligible receiver six times the week before. You know, again, if we could show the play or the tape again, Skipper to me, and I haven't seen a better angle, looks like he's running on the field doing this, like the the eligible thing. Brad Allen looks at him and points at him from a distance, almost like, oh, you're coming in as eligible, as the other two guys are there. Look, he is looking to his left right now at him. He sees the guy with his hands kind of by his numbers. He then goes, as he's getting close, and goes up to the defense to go, hey, 70 is eligible, right? So we obviously didn't get whatever Penny Sewell and Taylor Decker were also trying to say to him because of what you're saying, too. The mechanics are a little weird. The guy's running in. He usually comes in and reports as eligible, so he sees it. He's got two other guys there also probably saying something. It's a big moment in the football game. So, yes, it's the mechanics leading up to the play that are the problem. All right? Now, and, go ahead. And they deliberately did it. That's exactly, the thing. Exactly, right. They assumed the risk. Yes. You F around and you find out. They, they tried to create this to fool the Cowboys, and they successfully fooled the referee. That's it. That's all that happened. Right. And, and they need now, to just own it. Now, now, what they need to stop doing is I understand – Right. Either way, whether 68 is eligible or not, it was an illegal formation. It's an illegal formation. So that's the first thing that some of the mouth breathers online need to like stop. Whether 68 said he was eligible or not, or whoever went that down, the formate the play doesn't count no matter what. It was an illegal formation. Skipper was announced as eligible, number 70. He was covered up by Penny Sewell. So he was an eligible receiver that was covered up. It was an illegal formation. It doesn't even matter. It does not even matter, really. So that's we have a lot of people arguing about something where I go, yeah, I don't know, really know what it matters, but there's also another mistake on the field. So that wipes out the mistake, too. It doesn't really matter that way. Well, but it all traces to the same thing. It does. The it all traces to the same thing. Brad Allen, they, they say Brad Allen should have known that Taylor Decker was the one who was eligible, not Dan Skipper. And they show, it's almost like this Zapruder film of Brad Allen looking at and acknowledging Taylor Decker. And that's enough. You see, as they pass by, he like looks to Taylor Decker. And I don't think he really is. Folks, I think he's still looking at Skipper. I don't even think he's looking at Taylor Decker. There's, there's 70,000 people in the stadium, right? What is it? 70, 80,000. It's loud. It's chaotic. The Lions didn't have a timeout to call to set this up ahead of time. 
stuff happens in this moment. It's 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 human beings trying to process stuff quickly. And when you have your jumbo package tight end, Dan Skipper, who wears an ineligible number running to the referee instead of running to the huddle, you are creating the impression for this officiating crew, as you said, that is very well aware that 70 is their jumbo package tight end, and he routinely reports as eligible. When that guy runs out to Brad Allen because you want to fool the Cowboys, and there's no way in hell Brad Allen is in on that, it fooled Brad Allen. Right. That's it. Yes. That's it. And I know, Lions fans, I know it's been a long time. And it's, you know, you say, act like you've been there before. We know you haven't been there in 60 years or 30 years. So we'll give you some, some, you know, some leeway here. But please try to be objective. <laughs> this is the thing that drives me crazy, Chris. What we see in, in, the, in the political realm where people just hunker down in their camps and reality doesn't matter, it's crept into sports where it doesn't matter what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the truth is. We don't like the outcome. So the election was rigged. We don't like the outcome, so the referees to blame. So somebody's on the take. The game is rigged. No. The Lions set this up. The Lions got what they deserved here because they tried to fool the Cowboys and successfully fooled the official. Yes, right. I don't disagree with anything you're saying, and I think there's a broader point here to be had, right? The mechanics and how they did this to Brad Allen were wrong. And that confused Brad Allen to what you're saying. Okay? Now, I want to be clear here because, you know, I'm, I'm a big Dan Campbell fan as well. And I would do these type of things too if the way the rules they are the way right now. I, I would. You, hey, we're trying to win a football game. I get it. I try to do it too. My other overarching point was be these type of plays have to be out of football. Right? This is not football. This is trickeration. This is manipulation of the rule book, right? This is not within the spirit of the game, in my opinion. It's a lot like Patriots-Ravens from a long time ago. Again, it's, it's football all game long, and now we're going to get down there to one of the biggest plays, and hey, this guy, that's a, this guy that's a tackle is actually a tight end, and this guy that's a tight end is actually a tackle, and they're all wearing crazy numbers, and we're not going to play football now. We're just going to kind of try to trick you and screw up the whole rule book and your thought process and everything. And that, to me, is something that the, the rules committee needs to get in on. They do. You know, listen, if you want to have tackle eligible plays or, or Dan Skipper, be, that's fine. But he's got to line up at a traditional tight end position and you do it that way. And OK, because, you know, teams want to bring in an extra lineman to run the ball and do that. That's fine. But when we're going into we're going to line guys up, not in natural positions and move them around and I'm eligible and I'm not eligible and I am was the tackle. But now I'm over here and I'm the tight end. But now I'm going to play tackle. That is not football. The NFL needs to stop that crap and unless and until the nfl does when somebody tries to pull something like that off and it fails i just it would be easier for us in our jobs if the person responsible for it would admit that that's what they did and that leads me to what dan campbell said yesterday because he kind of admitted it kind of admitted it but it's still not as clear as i would like it to be here's campbell from yesterday talking about the effort to confuse the Cowboys by having three different linemen approach referee Brad Allen. 
If you're running a play like that and 70 is your jumbo tight end and they know that because that's what he does for you and then you're going to decide you're going to make 68 eligible and he walks over to the ref and then the ref stands over 68 before you play and they hold the ball and they stand over and point at him. Do you think you're going to be able to throw the ball to 68? No. So it's about eligibility. That's what it's about. And it has nothing to do with the ref. The ref knows. He knows because 68 reported. It's for the defense so that they see three different people, and you're just hoping they happen to not hear that it's 70. That's all. Now, you saw what Hutch did last year here at Green Bay. They did the same thing to us, and Hutch picked it off, right? Antenna was up, just kind of, oh, all right. He made a play. No, I had it on a piece of paper. Our, our play, what our players have. All I, all I can do is talk through it. That's all I can do. The play, not the setup to the play. See, the play, what our players have. Our players don't have the pre-snap dotted line of Dan Skipper coming out and approaching Brad Allen as Taylor Decker and Penny Sewell come from the other direction. He admitted it. He did. Right there. He did They were trying it. to confuse the defense. Right. And he assumes that Brad Allen heard Taylor Decker say, I'm eligible, and that Brad Allen ignored the fact that the guy who's always reporting is eligible, who ran right for him, was not actually in that situation reporting is eligible. So you got to factor this in. If you're going to get cute, and they got cute here, you got to factor in the possibility that you're going to get too cute, and it's going to be too effective. And then when the shit hits the fan on the back end, I real and you and I both love Dan Campbell. Yeah. But – I really wish he would have said, folks, here's what happened. We were trying to confuse the Cowboys, and in the process, it's loud, it's chaotic. You know, Brad Allen thought it was 70, and I can understand why he thought it was 70. I wish that he would say that. Well, you know, I, he, 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 he tried to, I don't want to say take the total high road, but at least explain it a little bit, right? And he at least showed that it, it was confusing. You know, I hear you there. I wish he'd kind of own it too, right? And I think the biggest thing too is just that 70 running at the ref was the biggest issue there, right? 70 running at the ref was really the one that confused the thing. 70, Brad Allen, he's watched this film of this stuff. He's going, hell, hey, here comes 70 running at me. Looks like, again, he's making some sort of gesture. Maybe he's not. Maybe he was just holding his belly. But again, I think it was doing it in the intent to deceive to kind of do that. Right? Don't run at Brad Allen at all if you're just going to be an ineligible guy. Don't run at him all. Just go run to the huddle. Right? So to me, that is outside the spirit of football, and that's where I don't like that. Again, we're gonna play. I, I I'd have been I'd have been you know I just don't love those plays. I don't. You know, we know who tight ends and tackles are. Let's play the game straight up and play it the way it's meant to play. Let's not get to the biggest moments of the game and go, oh, we we screwed them and fooled them and tricked the refs and tricked the rule book and did all this. Uh, that that I don't love. And, again, I'll be clear here. If I was a head coach, I'd probably dabble in some of those activities as well. I understand that. But if it blows up on you, you got to own it. Yes, and I you think, do. I think plain and simple, yeah. I think, Chris, at some level, Campbell knows, Campbell knows, that to the extent that the idea that they got screwed in this game gives them a little lift, gives them that octane, gets the fan base engaged. Agreed. Why should I say it's my fault? Uh, 
Yeah. I have my I have my Florio said the 49ers are going to kick the shit out of the Ravens moment. I have my hit piece on Sean McDermott yeah. moment. I have my thing, even though it really playoffs. is his own right. fault. Right. I'm going to take it and run with yeah. it. Yeah. No, you said that right. The Ravens got to find something that motivates them for the playoffs here or whatever it is, that chip on their shoulder. Yeah. I, I wrote that down before the segment saying that this is the Lions have kind of even though, yeah, they're going to feel like they got screwed over in the game, and I think they screwed over themselves, they're going to rally around, no, we got screwed over, and let's, let's you know, everybody's against us, and Dan Campbell is going to use that. And uh, I think that will be some fuel and some motivation here for them uh, going into the playoffs. I don't want to be in the habit of ignoring Courtney. It's 2024, so I'm trying to be better about taking direction. I just want to mention this now because I want to clear the decks and move on. There was a tripping call on that Cowboys drive yeah. that was called on the Cowboys. It was actually the Lions. So to the extent, folks, that you think the NFL is out to get the Lions, the explanation is always incompetence. 99.9% of the time, it's incompetence. It's not they're out to get you. They're not good enough to pull that off if they're out to get you. So that balances this idea that, that the NFL wanted the Cowboys to win. They would have called tripping on the guy who tripped if they wanted the Cowboys to win. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's right. It's human mistakes. Human errors happen. We see that. It's been happening for a long, long time in the NFL. It's not perfect. We know that. But, yeah, there's at least another something there to maybe calm the waters a little bit as far as Detroit to go, hey, you, you got over on one here too. No, I know. They don't want to hear yeah. that. But, see, when we're in our red and blue camps, we embrace everything that – bolsters our view of the way the world is or should be and we ignore anything that punctures it so la 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 not listening when we point out that the lions benefited from the incompetence of brad allen's crew let's take a break what is going on with the pittsburgh steelers quarterbacks i think their starter has been low-key benched more pft live right after this I think Kitty's availability is less in question this week. I anticipate him being available to practice. Uh, that being said, um, we're going to leave the ball in Mason Rudolph's hands. Um, he's done a good job, and we've done a good job in the most uh, recent two weeks. Um, we've taken care of the ball. He's taken care of the ball. We scored points at a rate in which we hadn't done uh, to this point this year. Uh, and with the urgency of the moment and, and because of those reasons, we're going to leave the ball in his hands. But I say all those things uh, with the understanding that I know Kenny is very capable, and particularly as it pertains to this matchup, um, Kenny has led us to victory uh, late in the game the last two times we played Baltimore. And so we feel like we got two capable guys. Uh, we'll proceed into the week the same way that we did last week, but just knowing uh, that his availability is less in question. In other words, Kenny's led us to victory late in the games the last two times we played Baltimore, but with Mason Rudolph, maybe we don't need to pull it out late in the game. Maybe we'll win more comfortably, and that's what's glaring about this. Kenny Pickett's been benched because if you have a clear-cut starting quarterback and he's healthy enough to play, he plays. This is one where they understand the guy they used a first-round pick on in 2022 out of pit, and everything was great, and it had the potential to be a perfect story, and they know him, and they love him, and, and you, 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 know, you raised the warning flags at the time. There wasn't really anything he does that's eye-popping. 
The offense hasn't been good with him. Now, Mason Rudolph, of all players on that team, Mason Rudolph coming in and making it happen. And he's he, why are you not going to ride the hot hand here? Mason Rudolph is winning games. He's throwing the ball to the open receiver. He's making the offense work. It's working. Yes. And that's what you're trying to do. That's right. You're trying to win. Right. Right. I mean, he's been getting the ball to their best player on offense in George Pickens. Uh, he stands in the pocket and has more of an aggressive let me try to throw the ball down the field attitude than Trubisky or Pickett, certainly. So that's where he's given them a lift is the fact that he looks downfield and tries to throw the ball that way. You know, one has gotten the receivers involved in the game more. It's added a little fear to defenses. They've run the ball better because of that. And, hey, it doesn't hurt that he's been fortunate to play two of the worst defenses in football, too. So he's been lucky there. Seattle and Cincinnati stink on defense. So that's been fortunate as well. But he's taken advantage of it. And these plays right here, it's not like they're wide open there. I mean, that's a great throw. It is. I think what people got to get their head around, and I think you heard me say this in the viewing room, you know, maybe a few weeks ago, right? Um, but I think there was talk and convert. I don't think. I know. There was talk and conversation about benching Kenny Pickett before he got hurt. I think there was those type of conversations going on in that organization, you know, whether it was Trubisky or Mason Rudolph, I think there was a lot of people there that were, I'm not sure Kenny Pickett's the guy. I don't know if he's playing well enough. He doesn't make enough plays with his arm and try to push the ball down the field that way. So I think there was that there. Then he got hurt, right? And yeah, Trubisky didn't do great, but they, they struck gold in Mason Rudolph. And I think like you said, you don't leave the hot hand right now. It's the best their offense has looked all year. You don't throw Kenny Pickett in there now. You're on the cusp of maybe winning this weekend, getting in the playoffs, and having some positive momentum for the first time on the offensive side of the ball all year. So you definitely ride with Mason Rudolph right now. And this makes what would have been a tougher offseason decision a little easier because the fans will be on board with it. Any emotional connection they have to Kenny Pickett due to the fact that he was at Pitt, that starts to separate because you see what Mason Rudolph can do. We posted a poll yesterday, and obviously it's not limited to Steelers fans, but who's the starting quarterback going to be in 2024? Kenny Pickett, 20%. Mason Rudolph, 12.7%. Russell Wilson, 27.5%. We're going to talk about him coming up. And none of the above, nearly 40%. So, you know, the plurality thinks it's going to be somebody other than Kenny Pickett. Well, yeah. the majority, the vast majority, thinks it's going to be somebody other than Kenny Pickett. Almost 80% think it's going to be somebody other than Pickett. The plurality thinks it's going to be somebody who isn't even on the radar screen right now. But I look at it this way, and I think Tony Dungy said this last Saturday after the report that the Steelers want to bring back Tomlin. They want to extend his contract. They have no reason to think he wants to leave. Dungy, who hired Tomlin in Tampa, said he wants to stay and he wants to fix the offense. Well, who's the most important player on offense? Yeah, that's and right. And he wasn't getting it done. Yeah. And that's... I mean, that's the way it goes in the NFL. You, Every player has a ceiling between whatever he did in college and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And playing in the games at the NFL level is where you hit your ceiling. And I know that it used to be five years to get to this point, but Kenny Pickett's yeah. hit his ceiling, Chris. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, again, that's and, – and I can be a little bit of a guy that falls in love with physical traits and stuff and all that. I understand that. That was what was a weird year about him coming out. 
You know, it was Malik Willis, raw as hell, big-time talent. Matt Carell, you know, smaller but awesome arm, right? Some other issues there, too. And then it was Kenny Pickett, like, yeah, he can play the position, but there's nothing I look at to go, oh, wow, he's really awesome at that, or that's an awesome thing you can build on. And, again, you go back to the Thursday night game. Herb Street and Al Michaels, when they played the Patriots, they talked about Pittsburgh here. They don't know what the future is, if Kenny Pickett is the future. They didn't just pull that out of their butts. They, they had that because they were having talks with people in the Pittsburgh organization that were going, yeah, we're not sure if he's the guy for the future. That's why they brought that up. So it's obviously very tangible there. We'll see where it goes. And, of course, I think this last week in playoffs, we'll, we'll have a say in it if they do get in the playoffs. They went 20 years between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger before they finally made the move round one to get another franchise quarterback. They were hoping that there would be a smoother baton passing, and it didn't. It just didn't work. And the sooner they admit it, the better off they'll be. Let's take a break. I mentioned Russell Wilson, the latest on what's going on between him and the Broncos when PFT Live continues right after this. The Broncos played the first game on Sunday without Russell Wilson as the starting quarterback. It's well documented what happened last week. Bench for Jared Stidham. Contract next year in question. And so much happened on Sunday. And there was a battle, I think, between sources from the two camps. The end result, it's gotten ugly enough. And we've learned enough about how ugly it got back in November with the union being involved on Russell Wilson's behalf. Sean Payton's from the Bill Parcells tree. He does not want Russell Wilson around next year. Not after all this. He already had misgivings about him from a talent standpoint. You throw this other stuff in. Agreed. It's basically the angry parents showing up to argue with the football coach. Right. Pack your stuff and go. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, I, I think one of these, like, hey, Sean Payton, I don't think, like, just because he benched Russell Wilson that it was, like, definitively I'm done with this guy for real. I think there was maybe a little bit of, like, hey, just – Let's play the safe route, the economics of the situation, right? I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I'm not like totally drawing the line and I'm done with Russell Wilson. And hey, maybe he won't, there's, you know, won't be that many options. Maybe we can get him to take less or whatever. But I think the way Russell Wilson and his camp have come out and shared all these details, like, yeah, if I was a head coach, I'd be like, eh, that's it, forget it. The guy that was, like, kind of kissing babies, politic guy now, is now doing more politics and stuff behind the scenes here. Yeah, I would think that kind of ends it for, for this, this marriage. And I, I definitely don't expect to see Russell Wilson back with the Broncos next year now. And, you know, Peyton is a strategic coach. Most are. I'm going to go and bench him the last two weeks and see how he deals with it. Let's, yeah, see, if I, that, Let's right. see if he keeps his mouth right, shut. Right. Let's see if his agent talks. Let's see if his PR rep talks. Let's see if they all just do the right thing from my perspective as Peyton and keep it quiet, and then we'll make our decision after the season what we're going to do. I think the decision's already been made. He's out. And, Chris, you made a good point we were talking about during break. All this crap doesn't help Russell Wilson find whatever landing spot he wants. Right. There may be teams that look at this and say, oh, we're not sure we want this show coming to town. Yeah, uh, ex he has that reputation already. So now you got, oh, he's going to kiss and tell the NFL PA 
and try to get them involved, right, and, you know, release things throughout the media and all that. I don't think that does him favors with with other teams that, you know, might be on the fence or looking for Russell Wilson. These are the things they're going to look into. How is he to deal with personally? What does he do in situations like this? And, yeah, there's going to be old school coaches and GMs and things that are going to look at this situation and go, eh, that's kind of not how you do things here in the NFL. And you don't get in the trust tree that way, that's for sure. The good news is, and this is an easy way into the trust tree, if you're going to take a one-year, $1.21 million contract with the Broncos paying the balance between that and $39 million, that may get teams to overlook whatever yeah. baggage Russell right. Wilson might be bringing with him. Let's take a break. Speaking of baggage, specifically the contents of a cup, David Tepper creating a mess for himself and for the NFL. We'll talk about the actions of the Panthers' owner and why everyone has been so silent when PFT Live continues right after this. When your team is 2-13, and 13, you really have to work to make news in Week 17. David Tepper did a little work throwing the contents of his cup out into the stands at Everbank Stadium. You see the fan reacting and climbing up. Now, we don't know what preceded it, but I don't know. There's no excuse for it if it is what we've seen. And enough time has passed that if this isn't what it looks like, the Panthers issue a statement, the NFL issues a statement, the Jaguars issue a statement, somebody says this isn't what it appears to be. No one has denied that this is what our eyes tell us it is. David Tepper getting pissed, emptying his drink onto the back row of that section pressed up against the windows to the suite. And Chris, the league hasn't said anything other than saying they're aware of the video. I'm sorry. And we've seen this double standard play out. There's a whole section of my book, Playmakers, about how owners have gotten in trouble and they don't get punished the way players do. This is the latest example for the NFL to prove yet again that in a situation like this, the owner is not going to get the punishment that a player or a fan would get for throwing a drink on somebody at a game. Oh, those the crazy renegade NFL football players. They're always doing things. Crazy football players. Like, yeah, kiss my butt with all that conversation. Like an NFL football player would already have come out and apologized for his actions. Period. I don't we don't need any this is what happened, whatever. There was a guy that did this. We got the videotape, okay? Sorry, we've seen it. We don't need an explanation or trying to put a toothpaste in the back in the bottle, whatever. Like, man up and apologize for what you did, right? And that is an issue with me, right? The NFL player would have already been forced to apologize by the owner and the coach, let alone he probably would have just said that was wrong on his own and wouldn't even have to be told that, let alone, like, the NFL would have already sent a you know a fine letter to that player by now sitting here on a Wednesday or a Tuesday after the Sunday game and yeah crickets from the NFL like I mean again they they want the players to act a certain way and then leadership just does whatever they want not a good look not cool NFL not at all it, it's a, it's a horrible look and I've written at PFT the potential ramifications beyond the fact that it is based upon my reading of the personal conduct policy, a clear violation of the version of the policy that applies to owners. He could be, in theory, charged for it. And that happened several years ago in New England when a fan dumped a beer onto Tyree Kill. The fan was charged, and the fan was banned for life from Gillette Stadium. It happened in Cleveland. 
A beer was dumped on Logan Ryan. Then with the Titans, the fan was banned indefinitely with a strong statement issued by the Browns. How about we don't accept this? Well, not only do the Panthers have nothing to say and the league has nothing to say, the Jaguars have nothing to say. I asked them last night. I mean, it's their customer. It's their fan that had a cup dumped on them. And I don't want to pull them into this, but Tepper's the one that pulled them into it. Somebody's got it. It's just amazing to me, Chris, that that it's been silence. They want us with our goldfish brains to move on to something else. Well, there wasn't a Monday night game for us to focus on, and there isn't a Thursday night game. So we got all week, baby. We're going to be here all week. We want to know what they're going to do about David Tepper. We got to take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. The Ravens have yet to tell the world what they plan to do on Saturday when the Steelers come to town, but Vegas is telling us. Sportsbooks have the Steelers as four-point favorites to win. And, hey, inside information does not cut both ways. If the sportsbook have it, they use it. If we have it, oh, no, 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 you're not allowed to have it. Only we can have it, but they apparently have it. The, the line would not be Steelers minus four if they had any reason to believe that Lamar Jackson and other key starters were playing for the Ravens on Saturday. No, exactly right. I think, you know, they obviously have some sort of info there. And, and whether that's not play at all or just play a little bit, they realize the Ravens aren't going all in on this football game. And, of course, it's an extremely important game for the Steelers. We know that. So uh, I think there's a few things that add into this. But uh, yeah, it seems like they got a little info here that they're not going to see the Ravens' top quality players there too much in this game, if at all. Your guy, your guy Kyle Shanahan said yesterday Christian McCaffrey's not playing this weekend. He's got a mild calf strain. That'll be the next one. I guess we have to watch the betting lines. The betting lines are going to tell us the news before the teams do because Shanahan went through all that yesterday about whether to rest the starters, what to do there. I mentioned that earlier. We'll be writing about that at PFT. But it is a weird world that we live in now where news comes from what the sports books do with the things we don't yet know. That's how we find it out. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's crazy that, that that's the way it is. Uh, and, hey, 49ers, McCaffrey, I think that's the right call. They got some guys that are beat up, rest up. You know, and maybe they could play some of the other guys, but I'm going to be interested to see how some of these teams approach this this last week here. Fun show today. Happy New Year to everybody out there. We'll be back again on Wednesday morning. Have a great Tuesday. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.